We are back, and you know the college football season rolls on. Uh, Brandon's team didn't play this week. I wish my team didn't play this week, but we had a good weekend of college football. There were a lot of exciting games. Uh, we have two segments today, guys, or really just one segment. We have I'm going to call it two segments, Brandon. We're going to have pick six to start the show. And then at the end, we're going to have some announcements and then let myself cry the show off because Auburn is absolute garbage, Brandon. I hope that's okay with you. So we're going with pick six, and Zach is just going to have a breakdown at the end of the show. So that's our two segments today, guys. So we're going to have a full show today. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So we're going to start with, so we had some changes. So we covered the Cincinnati-Tulsa game in our Pick 6 preview episode that we recorded on Wednesday. Well, the next day, Cincinnati gets canceled. So me and Brandon picked the game to replace it. It was the UCF-Memphis game. We decided to keep it in the AAC. We figured the AAC deserves some respect. We get to cover one of their games. So we're going to actually start with that game, recap it. We made our picks, posted them on social media. And Brandon thinks it doesn't count. It doesn't count. I, I told him I was going to add it to pick six. He picked wrong. He went with the UCF Black Knights. Well, they did not win. So we'll get into that. Memphis escaped with the 50-49 win, Brandon. How in the world did UC, UCF give this game away again? I don't know, Zach, because UCF was like a 98% chance to win. At, or like 90, well, yeah, it was 98.3 in the, in the just, fourth quarter. Just to make it worse, at 5.05, when they were up 30, when, when they were, when they were up 49.37 with five minutes left in the game, Brandon, it was a 99.7. Not yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why they want to break my heart. I don't understand why Zach wants to bully me on the podcast, uh, because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just thought pick six was a whole different thing. Maybe not. I don't know. So maybe maybe I am 30. What is it? What am I, 31 and 14, according to you? Is that is that what it is? Yeah, I believe, I, I believe so. Let's see. Hang on. Yeah, 31 and 14. Yeah, no. no. For, I mean, for all the for all the Brandon writers out there, for everyone who, who wants my happiness, I'm really 31 and 12. So that's not quite as bad. The only um, reason you don't want to count them is because both of the games we've added, you lost. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm cursed. We talked about this on Saturday. I have no idea why I'm cursed. But, th- I mean, that's beside the point. We'll get back to that another day, I guess, because, I mean, it, you're just going to keep reflecting on the record. Whatever. What I will say is that both of these quarterbacks, incredible games, right? Yeah, they're both. They're, uh, as you would say, they're both really really good i mean they what a combined i think they combined for over 1500 yards of offense both of them had over 700 yards offense we had 75 first downs 99 total points brandon and they combined to go eight for 10 on fourth downs are we seriously going for fourth down that much i mean i i guess so (laughs) um i i have no idea Uh, this game was bananas i mean 
this was one of those games where it's in the middle of the afternoon. I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a quick nap in before this Alabama-Georgia game. UCF has a nice lead. What do I have to lose? Then I woke up, and, and it was, it was uh, I think it was 49 to 44 when I woke up. And I was like, yep. I was like uh-oh, <laughs> this isn't looking very good. And then Memphis scored on an 85-yard uh, drive. So I, I don't know. That's a real tough look for you. I mean, I, I to be fair, I did turn it off. I watched the Ole Miss-Arkansas um, game instead after it got out of hand because I was like, of course we're going to add this stupid game with this stupid Memphis team who can't win a game they're supposed to win. Um, but, Brandon, I mean, a second straight week for UCF blowing the lead. They were up 23-5 to against Tulsa last week and ended up losing that game. Um and just looking at what happened, I really think it's just a combination of offense, their offensive scheme, Brandon, and just lack of run game production. So I know that sounds crazy, but there's no way when you have that big of a lead, Dylan, Gra- Dylan Gabriel should still have 50 attempts. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have to run the ball a, a little bit just to take some time off the clock. Uh, yeah. I mean, because every incompletion stops the clock. They like to throw the ball to the outside. Every time a wide receiver goes out of bounds, it stops the clock. And that just leaves more time on the clock for teams to make that comeback. And then the run game production is a huge factor, Brandon. Because, I listen, I, I don't think they can chew the clock and move the chains by running the ball. Yes, I know they had almost 200 yards rushing this game. I know someone's going to say that. But that was on almost 50 attempts. And nobody on that offense averaged over four and a half yards per carry. Right. And they're inflated due to big runs too. I mean, McCraw, who was one of their leading rusher, had twenty had a twenty four yard explosive run, and on his other sixteen carries, only averaged three yards per carry. And if you do the math, that's not getting you a first down if he's running at his average. And then you add that, Brandon, to the a hundred penalty yards that they had. This has been a theme for UCF, and when you're facing a team like Memphis, if you keep giving them chances to go down the field on horrible penalties, they're going to beat you, nine times out of ten at least. Uh, and like you said, I, I, well, no, I, I mean, I know this is how you feel. I mean, I don't think UCF is a bad team, Brandon. I just think they, they have to learn how to win these games because these close games are going to cost them in the long run. I mean, do you think Cincinnati, if you give them 100 yards of penalty yards and you, you can't run the ball, that you're going to beat a team like Cincinnati? No, I mean, absolutely not. It's Both of these teams, by the way, have to figure out what a defense is because they don't know. They have no idea. Well, uh, well to be fair, I mean – UCF had a defense in 2017, but I don't think Memphis has ever known what a defense is. No. Uh, but like you said, man, Brady White, spectacular in the comeback. I mean, 36 second-half points, Brandon, for the Memphis Tigers. Yeah. that That is amazing. Four, 480 passes, six touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and no turnovers. His ability to protect the ball is why Memphis was able to pull themselves out of the hole and uh, his ability to fight off the blitz as a UCF was huge. When he was blitz, Brandon, he was six for nine, 68 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's great. He played incredibly. I mean, and Dylan Gabriel played well, too. I mean, he had a yeah. better passing percentage. He he had 120 more yards passing. He just he, he was missing one touchdown. So, I mean, both of these quarterbacks played 
an incredible game. I mean, the running game lacked on both sides. I mean, I, I guess I guess Memphis uh, Clark from Memphis had, had a decent game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I mean, he had nearly five yards of carry. That's nice. So yeah. Um, I don't know. The, these teams' defense it should be what I mean. They should even have like like the offensive linemen like sitting in on the defensive meetings this week, and just so everyone on the team understands what a defense is. I mean, for Memphis, though, I mean, you had Quindell Johnson, Rodney Owens that seemed to be all over the field. They combined for 26 tackles between the two of them. And right in our one of our preview episodes, I talked about how this Memphis defensive line was one of the, I guess, weakest in the in, in the AAC and in the country in total. They somehow came away with three sacks, which is huge. For all for a defensive line where we didn't think they were going to make any impact, so in a big game like this, for them to come through with just three sacks is great. And I think overall, right now, um, UCF just has to find out how to win. Memphis, it's like you said, has to find some sort of defensive presence. Um, but UCF Brandon falls to one and two. They head back to Orlando next week to host the Tulane Green Waves. While Memphis moves to two and one and faces Temple next week before their huge matchup in two weeks against number eight Cincinnati in a in probably really one of the AAC deciding games of the 2020 season. But we're going to move on here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this game. If you caught our game day, we kind of gave our initial opinions on it. Uh, number 14 BYU beats Houston 43-26 in another big comeback, Brandon. I mean, Houston had a 12-point lead in the third quarter, and BYU scored 28 unanswered from the 53-second mark of the third quarter until the 140 mark in the fourth quarter. So w- what did you see in this game? Uh, I mean, they could have just scored twice, and, and the game would have been over. They didn't have to. I mean, they just they were just showing out with those last two scores, with those last two touchdowns. That was just like nail in the coffin. Um, you know, we, we talked about it Saturday. Uh, Zach Wilson looks great. Elite. He looks really good. I'm, I'm not going to say elite because that's, I mean, he, he does play for BYU and he was playing against Memphis. It's not like he was, you know, he was, was, this wasn't like a, like you're an SEC like football BYU, game. You're acting like BYU hasn't turned out some really good quarterbacks. They have in the past, but they've also been in a conference in the past. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll okay. give you that. Thank you. But I, I mean, Zach Wilson. That's not to take anything away from him. You know, he I, he played a great game against Houston. Uh, four hundred yards passing. I mean, on the dot, four touchdowns, nine carries for forty yards. I mean, he was the he was the team's leading rusher. So I mean, he just put this offense on his shoulders and, and won this football game. Is what happened. And Houston just didn't show up in the second half, and this is what happens when, when you don't when you decide you only want to play one half of football, especially against a BYU team that I think is really good. Uh, it, you can't do that. I mean, like you said, Zach Wilson was the storyline of the game. He's already garnering Heisman attention. He had an even better game this weekend. Brandon on passes twenty plus yards down the field, he was four for five, one seventy, and two touchdowns. Yeah, it's great. Like, the kid's got an arm on him. Like, Brandon, for, for me, I, he looks confident, he looks accurate, and he's calm and consistent under pressure. The, the moment was never too big for him in a big comeback, and he's just showing that he can put up this consistent performance week in and week out. And listen, there's a primetime matchup coming up in about a month against Boise State on the road, on the blue turf. And, Brandon, if there's ever a chance to have a Hosmer moment, I feel like that Boise State game is his chance. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean, if, if he has a chance, that's it. 
Yeah. And Clayton Toon, Brandon, I know I talked a lot about him on our preview episode about how I didn't really believe in him. I thought he played a really good game. I just want to say that. I want to give him his credit. I mean, over 300 yards passing, three total touchdowns, um, and passes 10 to 20 yards downfield. He was elite, 11 for 14, 200 yards and a touchdown. But when the BYU defense could get pressure on Tune, his production slowed, and I think that was the key to this BYU defense shutting down Houston late. There was their blitz to make Tune uncomfortable, which really just got the whole offense out of rhythm. And it just all kind of fell apart after that, Brandon. It seemed like this Houston offense was held together by a string. In the second half, BYU cut it, and the floodgates were opened. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it. I don't know. It, it, this was an uncharacteristic game by Toon. Uh, he hasn't looked like this this season. <laughs> so, so you weren't. I don't think you were unjustified in your statements on the preview episode. No, and also this BYU defense has looked legit. We we covered their game against Navy. Shut down Navy. They shut down this Houston offense in the second half, and they had three sacks, Brandon, ten tackles for loss, four quarterback hurries in this um in this game. And there really isn't a star, but everyone just seems to do their job, play, do their job, play in and play out, which is the recipe for success. I mean, they're like the no-name defense of college football right now. There's nobody you could say, hey, it's going to be a future NFL star, but they're out here really making an impact on the game. They're making big plays, but there's not that NFL prospect that we can look to and say, oh, he's the leader of this defense. Right. No, you're right. But, guys, if you want to hear more about this game, go check out our game day special on YouTube right now. Um, but BYU moves to 5-0, and Brandon, and now hosts a sneaky Texas State team next weekend while Houston they're going to travel to face a Navy team that BYU massacred the first week of the season so that hopefully Houston can get back on track there but we're going to the upset of the weekend Brandon and listen I want to start this one by calling out Brandon here I know everyone's like huh you're going to call out Brandon well listen I know he's going to come for me he's going to come for my soul everything I believe in but I want also want to remind you, you had UNC winning this game 48-14, to 14, and you have been just as critical of Florida State as I have, so I don't want you to say a single word to me about that. And I don't think a single soul saw this one coming, especially the way Florida State did this last night. But guys, number five UNC goes down in Tallahassee 31-28 to Florida State. Brandon, how did the Seminoles pull this, pull this one off? I I don't know. I really, really he, he don't know. You're like, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> because I I get it. They they played uh, Jordan Travis this weekend. Um. So, but he didn't play well. He had one touchdown, one interception, 191 yards. He, dude, he he passed for less than 50. percent Their leading rusher had 109 total yards on 12 carries. Um. I don't know. I have no idea how they won this football game, Zach. Well, okay. So I'll let me say this. Okay. You can look at the stats if you want to, but you had to have watched this game. I know the Alabama-Georgia game was on. Yeah, I didn't watch this game, by the way. <laughs> I, I did. I, I, I watched more of this game than I did the Alabama-Georgia game, especially in the second half when you know we'll get to that game in a little bit. But, I mean, 
it doesn't make sense if you didn't watch the game because Florida State, Brandon, lost the first down battle. They gained less offensive yards. They had more penalties for more yards. They lost the time of possession battle. Really and truly, Brandon, the Seminoles played an outstanding two quarters of football, and the time left in the game didn't yield for North Carolina to get the ball one last time to make to make the play to win the game. Yeah. Um Jordan Travis, listen, I know we didn't do well from the air, but his ground game, man, really unlocked the Seminoles' offense for me. You, you mentioned his passing stats. He also had 107 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And, yes, he wasn't accurate, but he only turned it over once, Brandon, and his legs kept multiple drives alive, which allowed them to put points on the board early and build that lead. And that was really the key for this upset. And listen, he's the quarterback of the future for the Seminoles. Um, I'm just going to say that he is going to, if he improves on his passing accuracy and just a few fundamental things in the passing game, this kid could be special, Brandon. And I know you're not super high on Jordan Travis. And you know what? I'll let you take the first shot because I know it's coming. Sam Howell, his performance, go ahead and take it away, Brandon. He didn't even play a bad game, Zach. I mean, okay. I, I'm just making sure that because I know the narrative of, had already started from other people that it was all on Sam Howell that they lost this game. I mean, he passed for almost 400 yards in this game. That's okay. We have to stop doing that, by the way. Like, people do that all the time, and I've done it in the past, and it's, it's ridiculous. Don't put the blame on a quarterback if you didn't watch the game. If you didn't watch the game and it wasn't the quarterback's fault, or even if you did watch the game, you don't know about if you if you don't know how to watch a football game, if you don't know what's going on in that game, don't put it on the quarterback. Because when you put it on the quarterback, you let everyone else get away with without doing what doing their job. And I mean, Sam Howell played a good game. I know people do that with Miles Brennan the first game uh, this season. You know, when when LSU played Mississippi State, people wanted to put that on Miles Brennan who passed for over four hundred yards. Sam Howell had 374 yards passing. He averaged 10 yards a pass, three touchdowns, and one interception. And his QBR was 34.9. How do you have a 34.9 QBR with all those stats, Zach? I mean, so he was very inefficient in the first half, Brandon. His touchdown was taken back for – his interception was taken back for a touchdown, which really put the game out of reach. Um, And it was tipped at the line, intercepted by a defensive lineman. Yeah. And – we saw a lot of that this weekend, by the way. That, that seems yeah, like, a, like a common thing. Either that or like quarterbacks throwing into the back of their offensive linemen's heads. It, it doesn't make any sense. All time I don't understand that. how that happens. But, Brandon, his wide receivers and running backs dropped a combined six passes. Okay. This game. And, Brandon, this is going to drive you crazy. I know you didn't watch the game. Two drops were on third and fourth down on the final drive where UNC was in the Florida State red zone. That's wild. It Daz Newsom ran a curl route in the middle of the field. No one was five yards from him. Hit him right in the hands, and he just dropped it. I mean, then he he looked like Kenny Pickett this weekend. Oh, it was bad. And then Javante Williams ran out to the flat on fourth down, hit him in the hands, Brandon, perfectly. There wasn't a person within fifteen yards of him. He might have scored to put to win the game. Hit him in his hands. When he turned, he just dropped it. Right. I mean, it, it, they failed him when they, he needed it most. And listen, UNC, I'm putting this on the play caller too. They have to trust Howell, Brandon, to stretch the field because he is elite in that area of his game. Brandon, when they allowed him to throw 20 plus yards down the field, he was six for 10 
186, and three touchdowns. Right. Why are you making him dink and dunk when he has an arm and the accuracy deep down the field to do that? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And it all came in the second half. I mean, he was hitting wide receivers left and right down the field, and everyone's like, oh, well, look at UNC coming back. It's like, well, they finally let Sam Howell go back there and start throwing the ball, really. It yeah. it doesn't – and, Brandon, the offensive line is going to cost UNC a chance to compete for anything this year. This offensive line is just dreadful. Uh, it, it is bad. It is uh, whatever word you want to use for it. I mean, they are going to struggle against every single elite front seven they face. They Mar- Marvin Wilson ate some like they're they're a UNC offensive lineman with a picture of Marvin Wilson on their wall, saying that they're going to get him back one day in the future. He he abused and bullied them. He took their lunch money all game. Right. And Brandon, and when he got under pressure, Howell only completed thirty percent of his passes. That's insane, uh, and that is partly on Howell. I want to say that you have to be better under pressure. Escape the pocket, make, find somebody downfield, use your feet to make plays down the field when the pocket collapses. But this offensive line is the weakest unit UNC has on this team. They allowed four sacks, four quarterback pressures, eight tackles for losses. I know they're young, but this whole they have zero experience thing is is really getting old. And it's each week as they play, we're expecting to see some improvement. And I really think this unit might be regressing, regressing, Brandon. I mean, they look worse last night than they did against Syracuse in week one. They do. And finally, Brandon, the defense. It it was nothing but disappointment last night. I mean, especially in the first half. Brandon, we talked about Chaz Surratt potential first-round pick at linebacker. He played his worst game of his UNC career last night. He graded out as the worst defender in the game by Pro Football Focus. 33 was the grade that Pro Football Focus thought they could give him. <laughs> 33? That's, uh, I mean, I didn't think it. I know I know. Sam Howell had a 34.9 QBR. 33 is tough. That, that's really bad. That is... He had, Brandon, for the entire game, he had three tackles. Yeah, bad. Listen, the defense was undisciplined, unfocused, lacked any intensity that they played with through the first three games of the season. They allowed 400 total yards of offense, Brandon, to Florida State. Yeah. The same Florida State team who lost to Georgia Tech, who got beat 73-7 to this weekend. I, look, <laughs> it's, okay, but to be fair, that was against Clemson. I, I don't care. UNC thinks they're just as good as Clemson. They're wrong. They're very wrong. <laughs> a, a thousand percent they are wrong. Uh, well, you kind of thought they were almost as good as Clemson. No, I didn't think they were as good as Clemson. Ah. I thought they'd get there, but they were going to lose to Clemson. Um, listen, I'm going to say it. This could be. This is a problem moving forward in terms of the potential of this Tar Heels team. They were finally exposed as the frauds that Brandon said they were. And I'm on that bandwagon. They are not as good as everyone thought they were. And I think they could lose next week. Yeah. And listen, if they if they played Virginia Tech down the line with a healthy Hendon Hooker, they they would lose by double digits, Brandon. They well, I'm I, look, I, and I know that we I know we have to talk about it, still frauds. Yeah, that's that's next. So well, let me go there. But guys, North Carolina, 
They dropped to three and one. And Brandon, they host number twenty three, North Carolina State next weekend. Yeah, I mean and, it's, it's gonna be tough. And Florida State finally gets on the board with an ACC win. They head to Louisville to face the uh, the god awful Louisville Cardinals. So maybe Brandon, just maybe things are looking up down there in Tallahassee. Yeah, well. <laughs> you kind of look, I, and I know that a lot of people like there are a lot of people out there that don't like Florida State, but you kind of got to hope that something's going to turn for them, right? Oh no, I want them to be good, but they've been like, bad. I mean, well, the thing is, they, like they used to be juggernauts. People used to just hate them, but now it's like, well, that's kind of sad. But like, you just want them to get a win. <laughs> so it's like, oh man, that's like my little brother. Like, <laughs> like just, just when you like you turn it on easy and like let your little brother well, beat yeah. you a Madden. It's it's like it's like how you kind of want Vandy to win when they're not playing against your team. That's like, true. Oh, that's true. I always root for Vandy. I you know we all have hopes and dreams, but guys, we get to Boston College at number twenty three, Virginia Tech, in which the Hokies. I guess I was going to say pulled away, but. They, they they beat down the Boston College Eagles forty to fourteen. Brandon, you had Boston College. What happened to your beloved Boston College Eagles? Well, what happened is Phil Dracovic, the th- he had the James Winston ratio this week, and he threw two touchdowns, two interceptions, and Hendon Hooker turned into a running back because he had literally more carries than he did passes this game. Um and he ran for more yards than he threw for this weekend. And he had two more touchdowns on on the ground than he did through the air. So that's what happened. They ran into Hendon Hooker, who I, I guess BC probably doesn't have like a ton of film on, if I had to guess, because he played last season, but he hasn't really played a whole lot this season. And so they didn't really know what to expect. And they, I mean, they they just they just got it. They got it bad this weekend. It, it was tough. It was tough to watch. I hated it. Hey, I'm at the turnover bug didn't help. I mean, guys, it it at the turnovers absolutely made this game look less close than it was. I mean, Virginia Tech did not turn the ball over. Boston College had five turnovers. Yeah. I mean, the, time the road. possession was almost even. Total yards were very similar, like 30 yards off, or 25 yards off from each other. Like Virginia Tech had what 26 more yards than BC. And first downs, I mean, BC had more first downs than Virginia Tech. But turnovers, man. Yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, like you said, Hendon Hooker, he looked spectacular, though. Regardless of how he did it, he looked really good. I mean, and if he was a starter from week one and was healthy, they'd probably be undefeated right now. That's how good I think this Virginia Tech team is. I mean, 111 yards passing, a passing touchdown, 164 on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. He was dynamic, explosive. He protected the ball. And Brandon, he graded out as a top five quarterback this weekend by Pro Football Focus at a 91.1. And I think this performance really solidifies the fact that he is a top five quarterback in the ACC. And really and truly, I mean, the way Malik Cunningham's been playing, he might be the most, he might be the best dual threat quarterback in the entire conference. I mean, to be fair, they were playing Boston College, Zach. It's not like they were playing the world's greatest defense this weekend. Um, I mean, Jordan Travis is also a really good mobile quarterback. He just didn't play against Boston College. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, but when Hendon Hooker got inserted in the game last week, Virginia Tech almost beat North Carolina. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. And when uh, when Jordan Travis, well, <laughs> you know, you know what? That's I, true. I, I got someone else. To that's say. <laughs> true. Hey, 
There you go. But listen, Phil Jerkovic, I mean, he played, he continued to play well, Brandon, but made one too many mistakes. And the blitz seemed to bother him. I mean, he only, he only completed 55% of his passes for 150 in the interception when they brought blitzes. And Virginia Tech just seemed to blitz constantly, man. He, they blitzed on almost 50% of his dropbacks. Yeah. So I think they could tell it was getting to him. And a lack of downfield passing, Brandon, finally cost the Eagles a game. And it surprised me because the Hokies are shorthanded on the back end of that defense. So why not throw it downfield? Well, on passes 20-plus yards down the field, Jerkovic went two for eight for 70 yards. Right. He has to be able to stretch defenses better. He It opens up the underneath game where he seems to thrive, and that's where both of his touchdowns came. That's where a lot of his yards came was underneath that Hokies coverage. And I I really just want to see more from Boston College. I think they're a really good team. But, Brandon, I think you have to give up on the Virginia Tech as a fraud narrative I'm not, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to start. I'm not going to. They are. But guys, I mean, the story of the game was like Brandon said was turnovers. All of the five turnovers, Brandon, that Boston College had, Virginia Tech turned those into twenty points. Right. That's the game. That's why the game looks like a beatdown, even though it was relatively close. I mean, it started off the t- first drive. Boston College turned the ball over, so can't do that and be the top twenty-five conference team. Boston College falls to three and two guys. They host a Georgia Tech team who may or may not exist after their game with Clemson this past weekend. We will we will update you guys on them. Um, and Virginia Tech moves to three and one to, and travels to face Wake Forest next weekend. We got two last games here to cover, guys. We have Pitt at number thirteen, Miami. Miami pulled out the thirty-one to nineteen win, but this game frustrated me. Let me let me tell you, Brandon. Uh, a healthy pit team would have destroyed the Hurricanes, and I think you could tell Miami suffered a small Clemson hangover. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, the two interceptions by King were kind of indicative of that. Um, yeah, and Kenny Pickett, I, you know, he, he's obviously better than Joey Yellen, but Yellen played a decent game. I mean, he only had one touchdown, but that's not awful. Pitt fell short when it came to the rush game. I mean... Their leading rusher had 23 yards sack. Yeah. Uh, well, that's been a storyline, what, all all season? Yeah. Uh, to, to say the least. And uh, I think it finally came back to bite them. Yeah, well, like, you, know, you already know. But, I mean, you look at Yellen. He, I think, like you said, he did good. No turnovers, which is huge for a freshman on the road. I think he has a bright future, but Brandon, I think Pickett has just been one of the more underrated players of the year, and he was leading the country in passing yards, Brandon, and you take that away? Well, yeah, and, he didn't travel the team. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was hurt, and it is what it is, but I mean, Jordan Addison, I like him on the offensive side of the ball, but outside of Jordan Addison, I don't think there's much to build off of. Right. The Addison's the only capable wide receiver. There's no capable running back. And Brandon, this wide receiving unit had four more drops yesterday, which keeps them in the lead for the wide receiving unit with the most drops this season. That's true. I mean, they, they got to figure something out there. But Addison, eight catches, 147, over 18 yards per catch. He was elite. Um, And on the other side of the ball, that's where I want to focus, Brandon. 
for me, De'Aaron King, yes, he got the win for Miami, but he continued his mediocre play for the second straight week. I mean, only 51% completion percentage, 222 passing, four touchdowns. That's great. But two more interceptions. And somehow, Brandon, he was the leading rusher with 32 yards rushing, but he graded out at a 46.7 for for uh, pro football focus this weekend and under pressure, he graded out at 27 Brandon and he did not complete a pass when the pit Panthers got pressure on him. Right. That's the thing I'm worried about, Brandon. I know you were a little bit higher on Miami than I was. King showed the same problem at Houston, Brandon. He was set the world on fire consistently, but then his cold streaks would only last two to three games. Yeah. And, I just think that's always kept him out of that elite rank. It was like, okay, he might have won the Hosman at Houston, but then he went through a stretch of games where it was like, is is he even the same player? Did he did he get off the bus? I mean, I just I just don't know if it's his if once his confidence wavers, everything falls apart, or exactly what it is, Brandon. But I think that's going to hold Miami back. No, it it definitely will. I mean he he is going to be um, he's going to be the one to carry this team. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we thought that. That maybe um, Cameron Harris had had what it took to have like an efficient run game. Apparently well, not. Derek King led the team in rushing with 32 yards this weekend. What happened to that run game, Brandon? Two straight weeks, it has been atrocious. It's been abysmal. I mean, 2.6 yards per carry, and their longest rush was a 22 yard one explosion. And the rest were all under 15 yards. And don't even, don't even. Don't even let Cameron Harris get near that two point six. He averaged two yards a carry on on twelve touches. Twelve, only, uh, 12 carries, man. And, and he was and, the best running back in the country for the first three weeks of the season. And and one of his rushes was for fourteen yards. So that means for eleven other rushes, he ran for ten yards. Oh, that's all. <laughs> do the math, guys. That is not even a yard a carry. Yeah. So that's horrible. And this kid was explosive. And we talked about this kid maybe being right there behind Travis Etienne in the ACC. He's not surprised. No. And Jalen Knighton, you're supposed to be the, you're supposed to be the Robin to Cameron Harris's Batman seven carries for 25 yards. That's all you That's all you can muster for me. Right. And he's not as physical between the tackles, Brandon, but I think he has the ability to be explosive, a dynamic off the edge. And he's been missing for two weeks now. And listen, I know someone's going to say it, Brandon. I, I I wasn't sure if you were going to be the one or it was going to be someone listening. What You could argue, hey, it was just the Hurricanes running into two elite run defenses in Pitt and Clemson. But the Hurricanes set, told me they were an elite team, right? They said they were they were a top 10, top, top five team in the country. And then you're going to shrink in big games and say, oh, man, well, you put the difficulty up too hard, so how do you expect us to produce? Well, elite teams produce. I mean – we're about to get into another player in this next game, Najee Harris, who ran for over 100 yards on the number one run defense in the country. Right. I, I I think that was the whole, I think the whole narrative on this Miami team has shifted, Brandon. It went from, okay, they're they're good, and then they, they, they dominate Louisville. It's like, all right, well, they, they're really good. And then for some reason, after they beat Florida State, everyone said, oh, well, they're elite now. Well, I don't know if any of those those wins are looking weaker and weaker as the weeks go on. Yeah. And oh, yeah. 
Do you think this is just a case of crowning Miami too soon? Do you think it is the case of just two elite run defenses? Or do you think it's just this Miami team just isn't as good as we thought they were? I mean, I know what I thought. I thought that Louisville was good. And then they went out and destroyed Louisville. And so ever since then, I've been like, oh, yeah, Miami's good. They had, you know, they had the quarterback finally. They they had the swagger. I mean, and they have – it looked like they had the full package. But turns out Louisville's just really bad. And Miami is a good team. They're not a great team. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Louisville's even a good team right now. To be completely honest with you, Brandon, but <laughs> but you know I've read a little bit on Kenny Pickett still up in the air, Brandon. I think this Pitt team can beat some teams down the stretch that we're not expecting once Kenny Pickett comes back. But I think Yellen is a good quarterback. I think he can lead them to some wins. But I, I don't know about you, Brandon. I think this Pitt team is gonna have to have him back before they can make any significant moves. Okay, yeah. Uh, but listen, Pitt falls to 500 for the 2020 season. Uh, they go into a huge matchup against number three Notre Dame next weekend, Brandon. That is a big one. And Miami moves to 4-1 and one to host Virginia next weekend. Well, we got the game of the year to wrap this show up, guys. It was the game of the year for at least two quarters until Alabama decided to stop playing with their dinner and finish off the Bulldogs. And Nick Saban, he did coach. He, I guess, returned from his false positive COVID quarantine while the Georgia Bulldogs, Brandon, I think they wish they were in COVID quarantine instead of Bryant Denny last night. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in Bryant Denny last night. Uh, Alabama really turned it on in, in the second, starting in the second quarter and just on for the rest of the game. Um, I mean, Mac Jones, look, Mac Jones looks incredible. Like, he looks like maybe a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Listen, he looks he looks elite. I mean, he looks like the second best quarterback in the country right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the better of the two. But yes, Jones, yes. I mean, after last season, when Mac Jones, I mean, like, I mean, we knew, like, we said that he played well last season, but people were critical of him. Uh, he didn't play in like the big games last season, I guess. And so people were like, oh, his stats are inflated. He played against maybe the best uh, defense in the country last night and, <laughs> and dropped 417 yards and four touchdowns on. And the interception really wasn't even his fault. It was like a batted duck ball from the offensive line giving up pressure. And, and it, it was like, kinda... it was like the first play of the game, too. So like after that, yeah, he it was. turned it on. Yeah. Yeah, so after the first play of the game, guys, he went 24 for 31, four touchdowns for 417. I mean, listen, he, he was averaging over 13 yards of completion, Brandon. I mean, this kid is showing the ability that it, like that he has the ability to be, I think, an elite prospect at the next level, Brandon. I think he's a legit NFL prospect at, at the quarterback position. And, Brandon, when Georgia did not blitz him, he ate them alive. 83% completion percentage, 295 and three touchdowns when Georgia did not bring an extra defender. And this made Georgia's defense have to bring blitzes. Well, when they didn't get to him, he just found the wide open receiver that set in the empty zone from the extra defender Georgia had to bring. It, if, if you can't get pressure on Matt Jones when you blitz, it's going to be a problem because you're going to have to make him uncomfortable and blitz him and here we are. I mean, you look at the two interceptions that he had pick sixes against Auburn last year. Auburn got pressure on him, forced him into a bad decision. Well, 
if this Georgia defensive line of defense couldn't get pressure, it is going to be a long season in the SEC for anyone who faces Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, uh, and I, I think he didn't do it alone, guys. Let me be honest with y'all. I think his weapons may not be rivaled by anyone in the country. I mean, this wide receiving unit, Brandon, the, uh, are cons- consists of some grown men. I mean, Devontae Smith, 11 catches, 162 touchdowns. Waddle, over 160 yards, a touchdown, and averaged 27 yards per touch, Brandon. And then you had John Mechie, who got a big touchdown that really opened up the game for the Scrimson Tide offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you combine that all with a stacked running game with Najee Harris and – you know, Najee had over 150 yards rushing, a touchdown. And, Brady, I get that he averaged 4.9 yards, about five yards per carry, but that is outstanding for against the Georgia defense that was allowing 30 yards rushing per game coming into this game. No, I mean, it absolutely is, and that's the reason why he's probably the second-best running back in college football. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would like to see him do more in the passing, which is why I think you got to put Etienne ahead of him. But, Brandon, real quick, I mean, Stetson Bennett, listen, he had a good run. I, I think he played outstanding in his first few games. But after that, after halftime, I think the moment got way, way too big for him. And it, it got out of hand real fast for, for this kid. It did. Absolutely. I mean, 18 for 40. Three interceptions, and Brandon, I, I, you said you watched this game instead of the UNC game. On that third pick, when he rolled out of the pocket, did, have you still figured out? Have you figured out who he was throwing to? Uh, nope, not even a little bit. I, I, I have no idea. I, I don't think there was a wide receiver within fifteen yards of that pass. I really don't. <laughs> no, I, no. I, 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 he saw red and threw it to a red jersey, and he forgot that they were not playing in Athens and threw it to the wrong team. That that is bad. I mean, Brandon, that was that might have been worse than any of the interceptions Bo Nix threw all weekend. Right. That that's tough. But I mean, guys, Georgia that I still think they're good, but Brandon, right now, honestly, you're looking at, you know, what's coming up for Georgia, what's coming up for Alabama. Do you see a team in the SEC that can realistically put up a fight against Bama? Or do you think they're just a lot for the playoffs right now? Um, I think they're a lock. I don't, I don't know. Personally, I think they're a lock. Uh, I think I got to agree with you, man. That that team is just so good. But guys, Georgia 3-1 and one, heading to Lexington next week. Or no, you know, I think, no, they get a bye week. My bad. They get a bye week. But they're heading to Lexington in two weeks to take on the Kentucky Wildcats and what I'm sure will be an outstanding game for Georgia. Nice rebound game. And Brandon... If things couldn't get any worse for the Tennessee Volunteers after this weekend, um, yeah, they get they have Alabama visiting next week for a two thirty CBS game, and what I would imagine is going to be a beatdown after what we saw this past weekend. What what happened to the poor Tennessee Volunteers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. beatdown at the hands of Kentucky. Right, I look. That's bad. <laughs> it was tough, but guys, that is a wrap on this episode. We kept a, a little bit short tonight, um, but listen, we will be back this week with a preview episode. Me and Brady got to work out some details, but we're going to also try to fit in a Big Ten preview. They is coming back this week. 
We have Big Ten football for the first time. Brandon, Minnesota, Michigan this weekend. I don't think I don't think I've been more excited for Big Ten football in my life. I haven't either, man. This is, it, I mean, it's it's the prodigal son. We're getting it. We're getting it this weekend. I can't wait. And I don't know about y'all. November is coming up too. I need Pac-12 after dark because I am so upset after the Alabama game last night that I, there was no football on after that game. Yeah, that like that should not have been the – yeah, it was like 10 o'clock, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not tired, but it's just sports center on everything. But anyway, guys, social media, Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. If you enjoyed – our college game day special from the Blue Bloods. Uh, make sure to check that out on YouTube, Facebook, and or Twitter. We're going to bring it back. Uh, more announcements on that coming soon. Some more special guests, uh, new layout, new graphics, all that good stuff. You can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, rate, like the podcast wherever you may listen. Check out our website, thebluebloodspod.com. New article coming soon. But for right now, guys, we are out.